0: Good on, George. Hey, Mike. What's up? Welcome to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast, everybody. Risen Warrior Syndicate is on the podcast today, and um, no, they're not a death metal band. No, nope. uh, they're actually a, a new preparedness company that's coming out that is starting with preparedness tactical training, and then evolving into a cool vision that he, uh, and I mean the guys, uh, outline. Will and Lucas outline. Uh, via their pillars of preparedness, I think great podcast, great opportunity to catch up with these guys because um, there's not many people in the preparedness genre, uh, especially companies, and it's going to be a cool podcast. Oh, I hope yeah. you guys uh, enjoy it. Uh, we got sponsors now. What's up, George?
1: Hey, we got a uh, couple sponsors. Yeah, we got Killcliff. So if you don't know about Killcliff, they're an energy drink. They uh, do. They support. <laughs> Uh, This is the lamest. I'm like an idiot right now. This is
0: the lamest uh, sponsorship ad. (laughs) You know why? Because you haven't drank a Kill Cliff. I have not drank a Kill Cliff today. today. Are you serious? Yeah, I have not. So my favorite one is the Performance Recovery Blend, which is called Recover. Um, I like the lemon-lime. We just got a resupply of those using the coupon code survival10. Save 10% at killcliffe.com. But one of my favorites, because it doesn't have sugar, but it doesn't have a butt ton. Uh, nobody wants a butt ton a BT of uh, caffeine.
1: Yeah, it's just the right amount, I think, just to, like kind of get you leveled out for the day, or if you're just done with a workout and you just need that quicker little recovery with all the vitamins in it. It's it's just, and it tastes so good, especially it's, when you're, ooh, God, when you're it's thirsty. It's such a good taste. It's, it's so good.
0: It only has 25 milligrams of caffeine. Let's That's say it. a couple green tea.
1: Yep. Uh, I love it. They also
0: support the Navy SEAL Foundation. Uh, it was actually created, Kilcliffe was actually created by U.S. Navy SEAL. Uh, to give back to service members, veterans, and their families, and their official partners. With yeah, they families. also have
1: a Ignite, which is kind of the pre-workout drink. Ooh, that get you that gets you pumped up. It has about 150 milligrams of caffeine. And then they have the Endure, which is kind of like it's not a energy type with a lot of caffeine. It just kind of gives you like throughout your workout you drink that. It's kind of like a Gatorade-type drink. So it's real smooth. It's not uh, carbonated. It's just kind of like a, just a nice drink. And you said that twice. I did. And then you said smooth. I need my, I need my kill cliff. I got to go get one after this. Oh man. Also this podcast is sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, look,
0: best coffee hands down. Like if I have to go to a place to, to pay for a coffee, am I going to Starbucks or am I going to Black Rifle Coffee Company? Let's right. be Black honest. Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they so, have
1: a lot of, they have so many uh, varieties, so many flavors. From, what's your favorite? I like the, um, the gunship one, that's good, or the freedom roast, nah, which is like nah, a nah. medium. I'm, I like. Nah. I'm a medium type. I like of guy, that black so. Chinook. Oh yeah,
0: because I, I like a black coffee, no sugar, no cream. That's what Heavy D said. Um, also, you could use a coupon code Philcraft to save twenty percent by using Philcraft two zero. Twenty percent right, is a lot. Philcraft two zero, like twenty percent. If you're not using twenty percent, I mean, let let me be honest. I we're a dealer for Black Rifle Coffee Company. That's my margin. Yep. <laughs> and you get that, you get it discounted. So you could be a dealer, just buy your own coffee and then sell it. That's it. Don't do that. Don't You'll get in trouble. I, yeah. And you'll say that I told you, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this podcast is sponsored by TriarcSystems.com. T R I A R C. One of the best gun manufacturers, custom gun builders in the United States from the solid great state guns. of Texas. Great state of Texas. Yeah. Solid we'll be guns. at
1: Texas. We will be uh, January. I haven't put it on the calendar yet. November but, too. Oh yeah. November what, sixth through the ninth? Yep. We'll be in Austin, Texas. So come check us out. We'll have we'll probably put some more information out. Yep. As the time comes. And then what else? So we will have a range with the Triart Guys coming up uh, January third and fourth. I will put that on the calendar here. I'm excited this week. about that. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. You it's right why? outside
0: of Fort Worth, Texas. Well one of the reasons why is because it's it's wintertime. And it's Texas, mm-hmm. so it means it would be just normal time. Because if you ever lived in Texas, I lived in San Antonio, the hottest place on the planet, mm. besides Africa. Yeah, it's just horrible hot and humid.
1: Uh, Where does the humidity come I, I from? No, the Gulf. I can't do humidity. I can't do it, man. It's too big for that. Too fat for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not calling you fat. I'm just saying in general. Oh no, I get it. Oh, do you? I accept my my body type right now.
0: Well, well you think you're fat?
1: You've yeah. lost fifteen pounds. I lost ten. Let's go. Oh, okay, yeah. 10, 10. ten pounds. It's it's been a grind, but I still have that like like I'm just not happy right now. Really? Yeah, I just want I want I want more. So okay, we'll, see. Right. we'll
0: see. We'll see. We'll we'll step it up. Get some Killcliffe and Black Rifle on us, all. and step it up. Uh, hey guys, uh, we want to put out also some of the courses we got coming up October nineteenth and twentieth. I'll be in Series, California, which is not this weekend, but next weekend. Pistol and carbine. If you're interested in coming out and training with us, we're training with me in particular. Uh, I actually be by myself, being riding solo. Uh, but also, did uh, Meg confirm for 511? Uh, no, not yet. So, okay, so I will be in f- at 511 somewhere near it, what's headquarters at? Modesto?
1: No, it's Manticula? Yeah, something Mantica? like that. Yeah.
0: Mantica. Yeah. I'll be in Mantica teaching a 5.11 course, uh, just stay tuned for that because it will be either Friday or Saturday, either the uh, 18th or the 19th. Mm-hmm. We'll figure that out for you guys. Uh, also, we got TCCC, November 16 and 17. We just dropped that. Yep. That just went live. So if you guys want medical trauma training, you you always hit me up for it, but nobody ever signs up. I
1: know. Come on, guys. let's
0: It's a step-up training real. game. Uh, TCCC here in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, tribe members, beware that that is the weekend before
1: the, the expo, expo, the tribe expo. Uh, what else you got? Uh, so with this weekend, if 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 you're around and you want to make it out here, uh, Saturday and Sunday, we have our designated marksmanship course, basically our, our long gun course. We have. This uh, October 26th and 27th, Clovis, New Mexico. We have Gunfighter Pistol and Gunfighter Carbine. That's Joel's debut Joel debut. Marks is going to be his debut as an as a instructor for Fieldcraft Survival. So, sock guy, good background, Yep, good trainer. He's, didn't we do a podcast with him?
0: We did. Yep. So You're if you want to know
1: some more about uh, Joel Marks, check out our the last podcast we did with him. We have a uh, special operations prepare, preparation and assessment course here in Prescott, November 1st through the 3rd. Uh, and every, all these training dates are on our website, philcraftsurvival.com. Check it out. Uh, we have a local course here, 3 November. We have Gunfighter Pistol Level 1, Prescott Valley. Are you going to uh, go through
0: the whole training calendar? Let's not do that. Okay.
1: I'm the Okay, just <laughs> – Hey, guys, listen. philcraftsurvival.com. Go to the training section. Every date is out there, and it's we're, – we're, we're picking up a lot on the schedule, so – Hopefully, we're covering everybody's uh, needs. I think the most important need to be filled is uh, that YouTube
0: channel, man. If you guys, if you guys go to YouTube, the Phil Craft Survival channel, we're dropping YouTube videos every week.
1: Yep, once a week, we're getting in that rhythm. So be prepared and, and and get ready for it. We, it's coming.
0: We just did an episode with George called "Field Tested." That's the that's the that's the series oh, name. I like that. We're, we're, I just made that up. Just that about. is great. We're we're uh, we're testing and evaluating survival related equipment. In this uh, episode, we tested a vintage electric bike made by the company Vintage Electric Bikes called the Scrambler
1: S. Yeah, that was fun. Uh,
0: cool e bike.
1: Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of fun. It was fun. It was interesting to see how far it could go and. Tune into that episode, and you'll, and you'll find out. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, make sure you
0: subscribe, leave comments. Prefer the thumbs up instead of the thumbs down. Yeah. I don't we got three <laughs> thumbs down on the last one. <laughs> last one. It's, that's, that's so funny to me. That's so it's like, funny to me. Oh, that's like they should have a middle finger option. Yeah, it's like, oh,
1: you guys are talking about stuff that could help me. <laughs> thumbs down. Screw you guys. Yeah. I'm going to watch this anyways, though. <laughs> But, but then I'll give you a thumbs down at the end. Uh, yeah, so just subscribe. Even, even, if, you wanna, if, even if you're only going to watch one video, just subscribe. Help us out, you know? <laughs> I like a, that. Support the small, you know, small business, better known small business. I like that, man. You know?
0: All right, bro. All right, man, let's kick off the, the right. podcast. I'm excited. Uh, the podcast with the Risen Warrior Syndicate. Let's kick it off. All right, guys. Well, welcome to the podcast, guys.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you.
0: So you guys drove up from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which is about an hour and a half south. But you guys are in Surprise, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Surprise is about northwest of uh, Phoenix, very on the very edge of the northwest. Um, pretty hot
0: down there still right now. Yeah. So, um, so I, I typically don't have two people on a pod. Two people on a podcast. So uh, just for the guests, so they could identify your voice and who you are. Just say who you are. Uh, introduce yourself, and then. Um, tell me a little bit about the company.
3: I'm William Sos of of Risen Warrior. I'm the VP and our company is focused on concealed carry mostly and just training for fight and protecting families. Uh, we're trying to be a little bit different than most of those companies out there because we feel like we can definitely have a base or, or a market in, just being your own first responder. And that's something we believe in just because of our own firsthand experiences.
2: Yeah, my name's uh, Lucas. I'm the president. Um, I'll just kind of jump along with what Will was saying. So, Risen Warriors uh, really trying to educate warriors on the genesis of what they're really training and truly fighting for. And what that really means is. If you're uh, you know a civilian, what is your fight gonna be what's your realistic fight gonna be? Um, if you're an leo what's your fight gonna be or you know if you're a military guy, your fight's gonna be a little different than the average civilian so that's what we're trying to do is really educate it uh, break it down to the details of how your fight is going to be and get you ready for it
0: yeah, you guys and and you obviously have uh, I would say a tactical background, but you guys have life experiences and different fields of expertise i know will you're a police officer right Can yes you sir tell me about your background which where where you come from and then what's your experience in law enforcement
3: um southern california <laughs> big city um, not the biggest but over three hundred thousand people um a lot of gangs we had gangs cartel related gangs yeah um i was there for i sergeant corrections we transferred out of there went to the local pd uh, Riverside City and worked patrol. I was a canine or collateral canine officer. Um, unfortunately, I got injured doing what I loved was canine handling and uh, was medically retired. And that's what brought me out to Arizona is I wanted to change from from California.
0: Yeah, and you, you were talking, I mean, me and you were talking offline yesterday about some of the challenges that you faced by you know, your your, uh, law enforcement career, as you were going through it, there was different propositions and different laws that were affecting you guys on the streets. How did that kind of like, that experience kind of transcend into what you're doing now? So the one, one, there's three big things that really affected police officers
3: over the last maybe six, seven years. Um, There was AB 109, Prop 47, 57 and california has taken a stance on where they've lessening the crimes or the punishments on crimes Mm. and what that meant was we were putting less people in jail and giving more summons or a ticket saying hey i know you did something wrong Um, we're going to give you this ticket and you need to show up to court and as a police officer i found it very frustrating and i think a lot of my my peers did and um just the public it was hard to explain that to people sometimes Um, and I'll give you just a brief example. I could go on and on, but one of them was we were having a lot of vagrancy issues. And by that I meant like loitering, trespassing, petty theft, or even fighting. And, you know, for like a store, there was, there was businesses that called us almost every day and said, Hey, this, this guy, a vagrant or a transient or bum or whatever you want to label him. Um, a lot of times had mental issues. That's a whole nother topic. We can go on and on but they would be defecating or stealing from their business. And every day, and they'd call us, and we would arrest them. I'd give the guy a ticket and let him go. The guy would come right back. And it was consuming our resources as police officers. There's only, only so many of us out there, and you're spending time and time again. I mean,
0: sometimes I'd arrest the same guy four times in a, in a work week. Wow, and wow. So you're just slapping wrist. Constantly, yeah, yeah. with no real like, you know, real consequence to their actions because they know they can get away with it. Even more so now,
3: exactly. Uh. And I think it created more crimes, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, what we did find was we were busy doing that stuff where we couldn't be as proactive or it was harder to respond to the to what I would call major things where you know someone's getting injured or, or big fights or shootings or stabbings. Um, I think that was delaying our responses. Yeah. And that was when I realized how much more important it was that people could protect themselves. Mm. Because everybody goes, oh, we have the police. But that's that's not the reality. If something happens, it takes us five to ten minutes to get there. Yeah. That's a long time when you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, and you were telling me about the response times. You felt like it was increasing based on the fact that you guys had to deal with petty stuff. And then when you're reacting to more violent of offenses that it would slow you down because you were typically dealing with something else. And then you said that dispatch had a hard time kind of figuring the, the line out of things or precedence of things or priority of things. And so it kind of delayed the process. Right.
3: Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like dispatch isn't. that's what I don't think I could do dispatch. That's mm-hmm. a very difficult yeah. job. And uh, how do you know what's really occurring? Because sometimes of the phone call that they're getting it sounds like the end of the world and it's nothing yeah and other times maybe they get a call that is seems like it's not that bad bad and it's way worse but we were just inundated by call volume you know if if you're handling 20 calls in a day and in a 10 hour shift i mean how much time are you able to spend doing anything else or, or how much time per call you're just it's just getting moving on to the next one instead of actually being able to spend that extra time and give the public what they deserve is you know as long as you, you they need
0: yeah yeah that makes sense and then uh Lucas I know you got you have a pretty unique background because you did a lot of things in your military career um walk us through your experience in the military and kind of how that translated into what you're doing with the company now yeah
2: sure um so i did 15 years about 15 years in the army i was a uh, military police um and during that 15 years i wore kind of three hats so those hats i have a, a combat side a law enforcement side and a protective service side and the combat side deployments to coast of coast by iraq afghanistan the combat ones iraq afghanistan um specifically afghanistan so we were tasked uh, doing targeting missions on the border of Afghanistan, Pakistan, going after HVTs, uh, high value targets, JPEL targets, um, joint priority effects lists, and uh, doing a lot of targeting missions on the border. Um, so that was kind of the combat side. And then I got the law enforcement side. So doing patrol, patrol supervisor, um, the normal cop stuff and I was also an entry team leader for uh, SRT, that's a special reaction team. That's the Army's version of SWAT, Um, and I was also an SRT instructor as well. And then I also did uh, protective services, so that's like the Army's version of secret service. Um, I was a protective services detail leader for the AFRICOM commander, and I was also a protective services instructor. So when I was talking about earlier the genesis of what you're truly fighting for, I think what we bring to the table is we could put really what things into context for you. So if you're a civilian, that protective services side really translates over to uh, the civilian side, protecting your family, um, being you know the, the main protector. Also the law enforcement side and the combat side. I think there's a lot of things getting mixed in translation out there in the industry right now um, where the combat stuff is real sexy, but it, it kind of doesn't apply to a lot of us out there. So just kind of our goal is to kind of rewind and focus and see what it is you really are training for. So, yeah,
0: Yeah, I like that about you guys. And that's what um, made me kind of ping in and, um, you know, vector into you guys' business model, because you guys are presenting a very good process and articulating how, you know, Mm -hmm. how am I going to get to where i need to be to be more self-reliant right which a lot of companies don't do and and you had mentioned it just now i want to get your opinion on it but the tactical industry right a lot of people think i don't know that the the classic running and gunning on a flat range shooting still and paper with a pro timer seems to be the conclusive way in which you become better prepared right but it's obviously more comprehensive than that right whether it's Mindset, situational awareness, med, the list goes on. So you know taking that and that experience and understanding from the real world what you have to do to be prepared, seeing where the industry is going, how are you guys changing that that dynamic?
2: Right. So what I like to use um when I explain in classes and to uh, students is the big six training model. I used this model in two thousand and seven before I deployed to Iraq. I wanted—I stole from the 75th Ranger Regiment, and then later I added a six pillar uh, to it, and we'll get into the pillars here in a little bit. Um, but I wanted a way to assess myself, truly assess myself and my soldiers. I didn't really like the regular army's model and how, uh, you know, we were training or saying we were trained the, t- the regular TPU model that they use. So I used that model, and I've been develop- developing it ever since. Um, and I think that. Big six really gives a big picture to students and shows them it goes more beyond the gun. I think you're spot on with, you know, the shot timer doing the flat range stuff. I kind of look at that. The industry right now is that's the popular stuff, but it's almost like I used to train with a lot of SWAT teams, and you could tell the SWAT teams that didn't go outside their norms and train with other teams, seek other instruction. They were doing ingrown tactics, and they weren't being checked by outside sources, and it was kind of a negative impact on the team. I kind of look at that as in the industry right now is we're so focused on how fast you could do the sub-second draw, you know, how fast are we doing this, this, but you're not looking at the totality of the whole big picture. So I think we're kind of getting that ingrown training bad habits in the industry right now. So
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's exactly – I actually never thought about it that way, but you're right. If you're kind of everybody's looking in and you're not growing or developing or developing new understanding of tactics, then you think what you're doing is the right way because you haven't seen an alternate uh, source for that. And so when I talk about tactics, it's always like an open forum for discussion. It should be because it should always be shapeable. It should always adapt to the situation, which is adapting to behavior, really. And so people change Bad guys change, so we should obviously adapt to that. Always, so it's fluid, as opposed to being regimented. And it's like this is the way we do it because this is the way we've always done it. Right. Right. Um, when you take your law enforcement experience, will and you you you're applying it to uh, what you guys teach. What what are you stemming from the LEO side? Because I know there's a there's a mill side here and there's a LEO side. Mm-hmm. What's the benefit of having a law enforcement officer teaching and then doing what you do?
3: Uh, I think there's a lot of benefits from that. And obviously, as the being when you're a civilian and you're put into a high-stress situation or something, or, or God forbid, you actually have to use a firearm or, or whatever, um, I can give that perspective. And I think what's awesome is he has a lot of good instruction on military and different things. But the law enforcement side is the police are going to be there. They're going to show up. And the last thing the police want or you yourself want as a, as a law-abiding, gun-carrying citizen is to become the police target. Yeah. And that can happen very easily. So there's times where just going through classes and stuff that we've been training for and working on, and he might have something, and I'm like, that's great. But from my perspective um, – I don't know if I would like to see that showing up as a police officer, you know, maybe holding the gun up versus having it down or just what do you do when the police get there? Uh, and, and just perspectives or, or giving scenarios of, hey, I ran into this. So maybe if you're ever in the situation, this is a good way to handle it.
0: Yeah, it's like a, I mean, you've operated in like a semi-permissive environment where things could kick off and go wrong at any time. As opposed to maybe being in a non-permissive environment where you're obviously at war and yeah. every person is a potential threat, right, right. and so that that's a good dynamic for you guys, um, you know, together operating this way. And you guys are out of Surprise, Arizona, which is northwest, right, right. Phoenix area, yeah, okay. And then um, I know we talked a little bit about training, and let's get into the pillars because I think it's it's really cool that you guys are doing this. I told you uh, yesterday or the other day. Uh, when we were talking, it motivated me to get uh, our pillars of preparedness out. We had done it a long time ago, but we hadn't really articulated the points. And I like how you guys had the pillars, but you were very comprehensive in the messaging and exactly what it is. Right, right. And so we did the pillars of preparedness for us, which is uh, your own person, which is your own capability, obviously your everyday carry, your mobility platform, and then your safe house. Um, And then you guys have a – the pillars lined out, like you said, from that training doctrine that you stemmed from. Talk us through that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm going to pull it up on my phone to help get me, uh, guide me through it. They will have,
0: what's cool is uh, on the YouTube version of this, if you're watching this, more than likely, we've overlaid the actual visual graphic of what we're talking now, so you guys can see it, which is cool.
2: So this pillar system that I have here, this is geared towards the everyday person. Um, if you, if you are a professional protector out there, a military guy, a law enforcement guy, think of this as when you're at home of you know, protecting your family. So this can apply to everybody out there, but this is more everyday type stuff. Um, when I developed this and how I try to explain it, I really try and, I guess, dumbify it because I used I used to be a regular Army guy and I had a lot of regular Army privates out there. So I had to dumb things down so they could execute what I was trying to, to get them to do. So with the pillars, it's the mindset, uh, is the foundation. And before we start getting in the guns and, and all the cool guy stuff, um, it, it really starts with your soul, what you truly believe in. You need to be grounded in what you believe. So what I believe in is my faith in God, um, you know, learning from the Bible, And that's what I'm grounded in. And this isn't going to be a sermon for you, but if you don't believe in that, that's completely fine. But I think we could come in common terms that you can believe in there's some type of morality out there. Everybody, all of us have a common morality. Whoever made us, gave us some kind of morals, there's good and evil out there. Mm -hmm. So be grounded and know what it is you are fighting for. So for me, it's faith, family, and country. Um, So you need to have a reason why you are fighting. So once you come to terms with that and you realize what it is you're fighting for, it's going to, the next thing is going to be your will to fight. So the will to fight is you have to come to the terms that you're going to face danger. So overcoming your fears and everybody has fears out there. I don't care who you are. You got to overcome your fears. Um, you got to prepare yourself before the fight, during the fight and what comes after the fight. Cause there are negative impacts that can happen after the fight so you have to come and t- come to terms with that and overcome your fears before, um, you know, the event already happens. So, and then once you get to that, the next step is going to be your awareness. And this is where you're starting to build your situational awareness. Uh, like I said, this is an everyday thing, um, everyday person. So start reading your environment, learning about your environment. Uh, so Will was talking about he worked in uh, Riverside, California. A lot of big gangs out there start looking at the significant activities, the crime, seeing uh, what's going on. So that's where you're starting to build your situational awareness and seeing what the threat, the enemy is. Um, I
0: think I just want to stop right there for a yeah. second because I think that's that's something I've never even thought about. Um, because it, when we did operations in the military, we had an area of operation which established – you know, basically a perimeter of where we were operating. And then we did what's called uh, operational prep of the environment, OPE, mm-hmm. some special operations unit that I was in, uh, they do AFO, advanced forward operations. Basically, you're developing the intelligence and like you said, SIGAC significant uh, activity in that area to give you a better picture to have better situation awareness.. Right. And what I never realized, because i I go to when I go to five elevens and teach, Survival seminars. I the first thing I do is talk about the statistics in that particular city. So, like in Vegas, the national crime or the uh, national crime statistics say it's thirty percent higher in violent crime than anywhere else in the United States. You have like a it's there's ten violent acts per one hundred thousand people every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, when you just said that, I'm like, man, that makes so much sense to me because. You live in a city, in right. a town. Right. You are never, you're not going anywhere else. And if you are, then you just take that same uh, understanding and apply it wherever you're going. Right. And so you're basically doing like a PDSS, a pre-deployment site survey. But you could develop a, your AO and understand the gangs, the crime, I mean, statistically, you could even go into some cities and see exactly where it's happening. Like right, right. Chicago has good analytics on where's the crime actually happening via a red dot or a, a geotag. And I never even thought about that because you literally could live your life and increase your statistical probability of not encountering violence by understanding the ground or understanding your environment. That's exactly. that's really unique, man. I, that's that's some good that's some good information.
3: Yeah. Huh. I lived. I I actually lived the city next door to the city I worked in, so my family was obviously aware of what was going on. And there was times where you bumped into people that you've arrested. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, God, you know, thank thank God, we've never had a negative impact. And I think part of that was because I tried to respect everybody, even a gangster, tattoos on your face, whatever. Um, We have two different uh, ways of life but we had a mutual respect for each other as people, and if you respect, teach, teach them with, or treat them with respect, they usually would respect you also. Yeah. And uh, talking about, like, the t- area that you're in and where the crime's occurring, we shopped at certain stores for certain reasons. Like, I'm not going to shop at this store because I know that certain gangs, you know, that's that area, they're going to frequent that store, and I don't want to run into this guy or run into that guy.
0: That wh- What's so interesting is... You know, I always thought about this in, in the context that law enforcement officers are prevy, first responders are privy to an experience behind the veil that many people aren't. Right? You see things in crime, in violence, um, and and death and murder that other people don't see. And what's interesting about what you say is why why doesn't the public have why aren't people privy to the information in a more Clearer way of what's happening in their own communities. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I I get it. Like some some departments list out the crime that took place by address. They put the people's faces. But I mean, there's no nobody's on the same sheet of music. There's no portal that you can go to and go, hey, what's the Sigax that happened overnight in the last twenty right, right. four? Let me overlay a template and see what happened in the last thirty days. Like, oh, this hotel. There's been murders at this hotel. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to stay at that hotel. And I, it always blew my mind that there's nothing. Uh, like I always wanted to make an app that would just be like the essay app, the yeah, situation yeah. awareness app where that could tell you all the templates of all the significant things that would affect you and your safety. Right? You know, because I don't. A lot of the times that we end up in bad circumstances, we do so accidentally. Right? You, you're dry, You're a soccer mommy driving to a wrong neighborhood, mm-hmm. but you need gas. And you pull up in the gas station, and now because you don't realize it, you are at target. Because exactly. they're like, who is this person? Like, oh, this is jackpot. And then they take advantage of it. But you don't know that. And so I, I just I, I want to drive that point home that maybe there's a way that we could figure this out. Because there's got to be more comprehensive ways of, of doing that data check or that data dump for people to know their communities, their own communities, but the fact that you're raising that up, hopefully, it stems a lot of uh, thought, you know, provocative thoughts, and for people, and maybe there's some innovator out there that could, could figure it out. Right. But anyways, right. continue. Sorry. Yeah. No. We no digressed.
2: problem. So yeah, that's awareness. That's starting to build your situational awareness. Um, then you're going to start in the condition. So condition's going to be your fitness, uh, also your conditioning your mind with everything from the believe, your will to fight. Your situational awareness, you're constantly reading up like uh, Mike was saying on the SIG and of recent stuff that's going on. Maybe you're going to a new, new location. Um, and also what I like to put in there, and I think a lot of people don't like to talk about is what you eat affects your mind. Um, I don't want to get into like organic kick, but believe it or not, a lot of stuff that you eat can really affect your mind, your body. Um, so I think that's really important as well. So, so that's the conditioning portion. And when you, when I say fitness, I th- I'd like to say good functional fitness program. There's a lot of good programs out there. Um, for the, if you're an army dude, uh, like I said, you could scale this, 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 these pillars are scalable. So when we were going to Afghanistan and we started doing the awareness portion, all right, we're going to be operating in the mountains. Our fitness program was a mountain warfare program, uh, to get us fit for the mountains. So for a common everyday citizen, I think a good functional fitness program is good. Um, also be aware of your injuries, uh, recognize your injuries and uh, make sure you take care of your body. But that's the conditioning portion. You're conditioning all four of the, uh, the big, uh, topics of the mindset. So, and then we start getting into the pillars. I kind of put these in order, um, of importance. Uh, what I believed is to be important, and I put it combatives as a first pillar. I really think combatives is important because you're truly, when you go and roll around with somebody, you're really starting to see what a fight is really like. It is practice, but you're going to see how tired you're getting um, and how much uh, your will to actually win. So it's really going to test your mettle. Uh, But before you start getting into the striking, the takedowns and all that, I'd really like to talk about the, uh, the spear system. So Tony Blauer, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tony.
0: Blauer. Yeah, we're interviewing him next week on a podcast. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So he developed a, he's been studying the, the flinch response, uh, his, uh, spear system. I'm going to try and get this right. Cause it's a mouthful, the spontaneous enabling accelerated response. So what that is is he studied the flinch response and in a nutshell is it's to get your reactive brain into your, cognitive brain so you could start doing your strikes, your kicks, grappling, whatever it is. So if you think of it like this, a UFC fighter knows who he's fighting, when he's fighting. He knows that he could study his opponent. But us on the street don't know who we're going to fight. Um, you know, we have an idea of what's out there from the the SIGAX and the awareness thing, but it's most likely going to be a surprise. So we're all geared with a flinch response. It's our natural uh, Uh, threat response. And what you do is you, you, he he study that program to get out of your reactive brain as fast as possible and use it as a tactical counter. So you could start doing your kicks and punches and all your other, go to your weapons, whatever you need to do. So I really think that is the link, um, that is to start getting into your fight on. I think that's really missing out there in the industry. Um, I think it's cool. You know, I think retention stuff is real popular right now. Shooting the rubber dummies, how fast you could do it. But to put things into context, you really got to be, you got to fight with your weapons. Um, and that flinch response is the key to get to that. And uh, I kind of jumped a little forward to the to the weapon stuff. But when you start doing retention shots, if you really want to see, it's good to do those drills because you get to feel the concussion and all that. But I would say put on some sim munitions and start rolling around on the floor and see how the retention shots are really going to play out. Yeah.
0: I've, I've had a big rant about, um, retention shooting. Cause one of the, one of the problems with retention shooting is, and you know, this from law enforcement, both of you guys do that your rules of engagement are dictated based off of your decision-making under duress. And so if, if I am, if I don't have the right scale or the right uh, indicators or even the right go/no go criteria for developing uh, when I decide to go into um, or or begin a retention shot, you're setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. And so, like a lot of the the courses I've seen that do retention, the the person would put a hand on the paper, for example, and they'll do live shots uh, in retention. And you know, one I would rather do those retention shots with SIMS um, or even Airsoft overdoing them live because you build so many bad habits outside of the gun. Um, because if you're in that circumstance, it's because you're fighting and defending your life. Mm-hmm. If you are getting tangled up with somebody in California in a fist fight and you pull a gun and shoot that person, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's 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 no way, one, the castle, I just looked this up because we did a podcast on it, Uh, earlier this week, um, you could stand your ground uh, in some circumstances in California. They're actually not the strictest state out of all the states, uh, but the castle doctrine doesn't apply. And Mm -hmm. so uh, you have a duty to to retreat. If you have the availability to retreat, then you must retreat. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that you're getting in a scuffle and that's your criteria to, to do a point shot or to do a retention shot that's scary, and right. when I see kids doing that on rubber dummies, I see people doing it in their garage. Like I just, it boggles my mind because it's a one minute glimpse into a reality that could set you up f- for failure. Right. What you guys just take on those those type of tactics that you guys are, are seeing?
2: Yeah, so I think it goes into what's <laughs> the context. So if you look at this pillars that we're doing for the everyday person, I like to just generalize it as. It's we're in a defensive posture. You you hit the spot on on avoidance. We want to avoid contact as much as possible. I know it's cool to throw your gear on and get your gun on and do all that stuff, but the reality is, if you're a civilian out there, you're off. You doing something offensive is slim to none. Mm -hmm. Um, So you really got to understand what you're doing and and put it into context. So this uh, I forgot to say that this is you know your everyday stuff, but it's more defensive defensive posture avoidance and that's what we do in protective services is we whoever we're protecting we need to get off the X break contact as soon as soon as possible because that's not our job to go out there and be offensive you know the only time the' only uh, someone is offensive in a protective service detail is a counter assault team that's their whole mission is to go and be offensive on what you know that that threat but
3: I think mindset too is uh, that's perfect is and that's exactly what we're talking about is get away if you know if i'm in obviously if you're in your house it's a lot different when you have your kids in your house and something's going down you got to take that into consideration so you have you should have already thought about what are you going to do when you hear something you walk into your hallway and there's a there's a shadow or something and you're like that's not my kid those aren't my kids my kids aren't six foot um what are you doing then are you retreating are you attacking do you have a weapon um, out in the public, I'm definitely, my, my personal take is I want to get my family and I want to retreat. I don't want to exchange gunfire with my kids around. That is the last line of defense. Um, you have to think about what you're doing before you even get there. And that's kind of what we're putting into perspective with our classes and what we're doing is don't go out looking for the fight because it's bad news. Even if you win the fight, you know, have you thought about how are you going to feel that, Oh, I took somebody's life. I threw around and I took someone else's life I didn't intend to take. Those are huge things that you have to be ready to deal with. And then, you know, no one ever talks about the legal part is after because you were, I'm a cool guy and I have my gun and I'm not backing down and you end up gunning someone down. Even if you think you were in the right and lawfully, you could still be held responsible. You could lose your car, your house. You can go to jail. You lose your job. You could lose everything
0: because your ego I, yeah. I just we yeah. just I just saw that news report. I think it was Officer Myers. I, I might have hacked that up, but she was the female officer who got off a 12-hour shift yeah. and was going into her apartment, but she was sexting basically her boyfriend, who also was a law enforcement officer, and she went and hit the wrong floor. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she goes in and goes into this who just, I don't know why they, they, they outline this, but he's an he's a African-American male. He's in his apartment eating ice cream. And then he stands up and it's like, why are you in my apartment? She just walks in. She thinks that he's an intruder because she thinks she's in her apartment Mm -hmm. because it's she just worked a twelve-hour shift. And then she winds up shooting and killing the guy. And then they charge her with murder. I mean, they charge—I believe they charge her with uh, manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And she's serving a life sentence now. And it's like when I actually think about that, number one, I feel horrible for the victim's family, the victim. Uh, but I also feel bad for the officer, right, right Because I know how it's what it's like to work a 12 hour shift on anything, let alone in law enforcement, and then come back to your house and then you' just it's not registering. like mm-hmm. this isn't making sense. I've been there before, just delusional and just like what's happening? Like what? Oh my gosh, I mean I'm in the wrong place., mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I've actually done that. I've walked into a, a hotel. And walked into the wrong hotel room and I'm like, oh my God, like what is, what's going on? Right, right. And so I, I see it, but it's like, yeah, think about the consequence of you and your family because it's not about, you're not an operator in a special missions unit. You you are living or you're fighting to live another day. Right. And if you want to do that, it doesn't always include the fight. And, and it's it's funny because I always think, now I'm thinking marketing, like, if you did an avoidance post, it wouldn't be popular right? because if it was like kicking the door and shoot the bad guy in the face, it would be popular. Right. And so it's like we have to change the industry this way because uh, the industry has is hungry for kick the door down and shoot right. somebody in the face, <laughs> right. but not for avoidance, which right. is the, the most realistic way to get through a bad situation. Agreed. Yeah. All right, so let's keep going, yeah.
2: Yeah, so kind of recap, that was combatives. Uh, First thing, flinch response. Then you could start learning your striking, whatever style you want to do, uh, takedowns, grappling, and then learn to fight with your weapons. Then the next thing I think that's important is uh, medical. So I break medical down, um, basic first aid. Uh, That's pretty simple stuff. Hey, you got to scrape, how to clean a cut. Not major trauma stuff, you know, throw a Band-Aid on it. But what I also like to include in first aid is, uh, if anybody of your family has a certain medical condition, how to administer that. So take diabetes, how to administer insulin, just basic stuff like that. Uh, CPR, uh, the red cross get CPR training. Good to have my grandpa's prone to heart attack. So good to have CPR training. Uh, if you have someone like that in your family, Heimlich maneuvers is good. I think they still teach it at CPR, Mm uh, for, uh, American red cross. I remember, uh, learning that. And then uh, your TCCC stuff, when you start getting into trauma, your March algorithm, um, definitely a good skill to have and knowing how to use it and stick to the March algorithm. Uh, You're more likely to come across a traumatic event than you are going to in a gunfight. If you look at kind of where me and Will are originally from, Southern California, there's accidents all over the place, Uh, really bad accidents. So, being able to save someone's life or someone in your family's life, I think is crucial. Uh, so having that uh, the March algorithm, the T Triple C or T E C T E C C for I think it's civilians uh, is uh, I think it's crucial.
0: Yeah, and no, and what I like about that is you actually added the 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 bandaid stuff, the scrapes and wounds because yeah. not, not a lot of people even know what to do in those circumstances where it's not critical traumatic injury where you have to transport. Where right. You, it's like, there's a lot of things that you don't have to go to higher levels of care for and sit into a, you know, an ER waiting room, wasting nurses right, and doctors right. times. Um, we have a Triple course, November 16 and 17. Kevin Falk teaches that course, but he also does the T E triple C or double C the, the civilian version of that. Um, and one thing you mentioned about uh, in med mm-hmm. is like the CPR stuff. That's so glossed over. Right. Like nobody, I don't think I've ever seen a CPR post because right. it's probably got zero like, it's, it's not in the algorithm, right? right? But it's so important because a cardiac event, you know, like I think it's an AED, which is obviously the machine that right. uh, restarts your heart after cardiac arrest. I think it's something like 70 to 80% of people who get hit with an AED um, survive a cardiac Event that would have killed them. Right. Because you go into into a cardiovascular event, your heart basically gets out of whack, out of sync. It just stops. And so if you aren't trained in CPR to manually kickstart that uh, potential heart or with an AED, you're just going to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it could be just a, a, you know, it could be a heart murmur. (laughs) It could be a heart attack, but nobody focuses on that. So that's really cool that you guys have added that in there. Yeah. Sorry to add to that, just real
3: quick on that, is those couple things the first aid cpr just buys time i mean i've had all that training and all that and if you asked me to run that class i would be lost but it's weird as i've had to actually administer it and do it a couple times and it's weird you just it's there if you want to learn it it's there and i'm not saying i did it 100 percent right but i was able to keep someone alive long enough to get the fire department or the or the um medics or whatever there and hand them over and you know who knows what kind of difference, but when it comes to your kids or your or family, you find a loved one on the ground somewhere, and you know just some first aid CPR and buy time to to get the pros in and and, and save your family. It's it, yeah. it's worth I, a couple hours. I think it
0: changes too if you got a family. Because you know? if, oh, yeah. if you're a selfish singleton, then yeah, nothing, nothing matters in the world. But if you got kids, if you got a spouse, if you if you're close to your parents or your your family, then if if not, do it uh, for yourself, do it for them. Mm-hmm, obviously. Right. Right. Cool.
2: Um, and then if you want to carry a gun for a living, uh, which I do recommend and support is uh TAC med. So that's a uh, care under fire. Um, so generally in the military, we like to say fire superiority and the threat, and then take care of the, the medical situation. So that's going to teach you, uh, how to gunfight and then administer medicine, uh, mostly your, your traumatic, uh, march algorithm you're going to be using that uh with this model you could also use this when you get gear so you are on track how to buy gear a first aid kit is way different from an ifac um you know so use it to to and especially when we start getting into weapons and tactics you could use it to buy gear but um how to so you're not wasting a bunch of money so but yeah first aid kit needs to be separate from an ifac or, or a trauma uh, a CLS bag so the next thing is uh, weapons this is what everybody loves so what I recommend is uh, have an EDC type knife a good fighting knife now I'm not saying go to the Philippines and start learning knife fighting because you're probably gonna be there 30 years just to learn how to use a knife like a ninja Get a basic, uh, good fighting knife. Um, I use the Colonel Blades. I love their concept, simplicity. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't see them around anymore. But there are some different styles that are uh, that are like that. Uh, I got
0: some inside knowledge on that, but they'll, they'll be back. It's just they're going through some legal proceedings gotcha. now. We used to be a vendor for, or a dealer for them, but okay. they'll be back.
2: Yeah, they g- great great uh, concept there. So there's still some YouTube videos out. Go check their stuff out. Um, very simplicity, simplistic, if that's even word. It's a word. So <laughs> All right. Uh, then your EDC pistol. Now, I'm not saying your range pistol that you go and shoot good in front of the boys and everything. Your EDC pistol. So when I teach classes, um, I use my Glock 43X. That's it. I don't go use my souped-up Glock 19 and all that type of stuff. I use my stock Glock 43X because that is what I use and that is what I carry every single day. So that's what you should be training on. Um, Next thing is going to be your uh, carbine, rifle, or your uh, personal defense type of weapon. Uh, There's a lot of different good stuff out there sub guns, um, you know, your ARs. uh, I like 11 inch not SBRs with a pistol brace on it, keep it legal and everything. I like to use a pistol brace and not do an SBR because I don't want to deal with traveling throughout different states with it and all that. Um, So that's what I uh, recommend. And I also have a tier system of weapons. I don't know if we'll have time to get into that, uh, but there's certain tiers for certain missions that I'm doing that I'll bump up a tier. So it's tier one, tier two, tier three. Uh, When I... Go out on uh, certain certain locations. Um, also like a shotgun, that is just a good all around tool for hunting. Um, if you got to open open doors in a bad situation, uh, you can hunt birds with it. You can hunt squirrels with it. You can hunt deer with it. It's just a good tool. I don't really like it as a number one choice for a defensive weapon, but it is a good tool in the arsenal. Um, and you could also put if you want on there is a uh, precision rifle. Uh, I usually put that in my Minuteman, my offensive civilian uh, Big Six platform, but you can put it in here as well. Definitely good for hunting. Um, I think you guys teach a uh, uh, SDMR course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin's
0: yeah. going to be here tomorrow yeah. teaching a DMR course on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah. it's all basically um what well, it could be any weapon system because guys bring five five six guns right, right. but all the way out to a grand so right. it's zero to a thousand meters right
2: um i'll kind of touch on the tier system a little bit so tier one is my edc my glock 43 i always carry an extra magazine my edc knife flashlight and an ifac that's kind of like my baseline so if i'm just running to the store i'll go to the store real quick that's what i have um And if you're going, if, so we came up here, so location and the, and your mission is going to dictate what tier you are. So now that we're up here in Prescott, an hour and a half away, and there's a lot of mountains and terrain that if we had to get back home, I go bump up to tier two. So now I have my carbine up here with my bag. Man purses are great because you could put your IFACs in there, extra extra magazines um, tourniquets tourniquets yeah all kinds of stuff you could put in there so we have enough to fight back home if if the case uh was and tier three is that's more if think of the la riots type thing now you're kind of bumping up still kind of low viz you might put your chest rack on with a shirt over it maybe you have a man purse um like I said, I love man purses with uh, extra magazines in there. It's a little more overt, and your little your guns are a little more overt in your vehicles. Um, but you're still not trying to get in a fight. You're still not in that minute man situation just yet. So so those are the kind of different tiers. Um, and I have a, a, something similar to the big six that kind of describes those. But the next thing is tactics. So tactics... Uh, is your I put tactical commo because over in survival. I've got it. I separate the communications portion So tactical commo and when you think about tactics, who's your team? Your team is your family So when I'm talking about tactics, think of that So your commo is going to be your internal communications uh, within your family. So hand and arm signals um, link up procedures with your family uh, if you use radios your cell phone communications And also communications to your support, which is going to be your police, medical, fire,
3: all those different things. Can I interject on that one? Yeah, go ahead. A big one is, and something I've always done with my family, especially once I became a police officer, was, you know, especially when you have little ones and stuff. My wife, she can shoot, but her main job, and talking about roles and responsibilities, is get the kids. Get behind me, get out, go wherever. Um,
0: It's so sexist of you.
3: It, well, it, you know, it sounds like that, but it's funny. Uh, I was at a class Luke was doing for his old company, and uh, there was a, a law enforcement officer, and she was legit. And I, we were kind of laughing, and we know the boyfriend. And so we were kind of like, hey, so you're going to take the kids and you're going to run away while she fights, right? So, But we're just having fun with it. But it, does, it just depends. In our household, I'm going to be the gunfighter. I'm the one that's going to give them an opportunity to get away. And obviously, my goal is to retreat also. But my wife knows, hey, get the kids, move on. But she's also getting on the cell phone, and she's going to put information out. She's going to describe what I'm wearing. You know, I'm retired law enforcement. If You know, look what happened at Walmart just recently. And God forbid something like that happened. I'm going to give them an opportunity to get away, and I'm going to do what I have to do. And if it's get away, if it's engage, I don't know. I think situation dictates. But I want her to put that information uh, over to the police. So when the officers showing up, I don't want to get friendly fire. And so she knows, hey, my husband's wearing a gray, you know, shirt or whatever, and he looks like this. And it's just give her a job and let her do something. And that's important for the family to know their role.
2: Yeah, yeah. Those link up procedures with uh, responding forces. I mean, we do it in the military. I mean, it applies to your normal civilian. Uh, life, you know, police respond and give as much information as possible. So you don't get shot. There's no friendly fire. Um, the next thing on, uh, tactics is advances and site surveys. So for military guys, it's reconnaissance. We kind of use that term in PSD. So think about this advances and site surveys. Look into the, look at the common places that you go to. It could be your Walmart's, uh, the s- grocery stores, Start walking around. You could even draw like the outline of the building, a floor plan, take a picture of their uh, their fire response plan or their, I mean, a lot of buildings have it posted and you could get the floor plan right there. You could take that home and you could even make a plan with your family at home with the floor plan. If something bad were happen, where you can make a safe haven in that building or where the exits are. Um, so that's kind of the advances in site surveys. So it's not a bad idea to do. Um, and you go, the majority of people go have a routine. They go to the same places. Just go check it out make a floor plan of it. Um, we used to do this stuff in a protective services a lot. We had to know where the safe havens were going to be. Uh, the exits were going to be in case something bad happened. We get the boss, the VIP to safety. Um, so that's, uh, advanced site surveys. And, uh, the next one is going to be a uh, dismounted formations. So we'll kind of touched up on this a little bit this is going to be the formations this for the military guys, the small unit tactics for uh, your family, who's going to respond and to that, uh, to the threat and, and, uh, draw and engage why the other person gets them off the X. And that's similar to something we did in protective services. Um, you know, you might be just you out there with your six year old son, and you might have to put him be your body as cover to cover him. You might push him behind cover and go engage the threat, you know, and this really dictates, uh, you always get the range, flat range stuff. Do you move to the left or the right when you reload a magazine? Well, if I'm protecting my son, hell no, I don't. But if you're by yourself, you might want to. So there's no, because you always get the people that say, yeah, you, you always need to move off the X when you're reloading. Situation is really going to dictate. Um, so that's uh, dismounted. It's kind of touching up on uh, dismounted formations. Uh, vehicle defense, not vehicle interdictions, and not vehicle combat. Vehicle defense. How do you defend yourself and family inside of a vehicle? Um, it's cool to run a gun with your buddy, and uh, and maybe that might be the situation. It might be me and Will driving back, and we might get in a vehicle defense situation, but. Nine times out of 10, it's going to be me and my family or my kids in the car. How do I defend them shooting through the glass, all that cool guy stuff, but actually defend them in a vehicle? And how do the bailout procedures work? I don't really have that anybody to cover me, my buddy, because I'm with my kids, you know, so that's something to think about. And that's where we're talking about, avoidance. You do not want to be in that situation. Um, and that will kind of get in that when we get into mobility. But so vehicle defense and knowing the difference between an offensive vehicle and their addiction. We're not doing takedowns of HVTs. It's a vehicle defensive situation. Next thing is home defense. And I'll also like to add safe havens, how to establish a safe haven. Uh, That's very important. And also uh, active killer response. I like to use active killer because they're not always shooters. Could be a guy making bombs, stabbing somebody, uh, whatever, what tool, weapon that the guy uses. Uh, it's an a mass killer active killer situation uh, The next thing I like to get in into is uh, mobility. So mobility is how you're getting from point A to point B It could either be your legs a bike your vehicle um, Of course, you know, we use vehicles a lot uh, in our lives. So One thing is the first thing is land navigation You need to know how to get around no land navigation how to read a map I know we all are dependent on gps i'm guilty of it as well but you need to know how to uh, use a map what's the old maps called the uh i know you used to have one back in the day. thomas guide thomas guide yeah thomas guides are great so also route selection a lot of people kind of laugh at me when i say this but primary and alternate routes so if over in california um when i used to work back there there was a lot of home invasions that would happen Or They would uh, steal people's vehicles. It wasn't just chance that that happened. They were being surveilled Um, I was actually being surveilled or we thought at a location that I worked at So I would change up my routes my times that I left uh, How I entered the the way I entered the uh, parking lot the way I exited the parking lot so route selection is key to if you're just going simply to Walmart um, take a alternative route back home you never know if you're being watched um, and if you can, and we'll talk about surveillance detection, uh, detect if someone's surveilling you even better, um, but changing up route selection is good. Also knowing along the route, safe havens along the routes if you have to get uh, a hardened uh, building to establish a safe haven. Um, motorcade operations, so military guys, convoy operations, but your daily driving. You know, are you at a traffic light and you're, how close are you to the vehicle in front of you? Generally, you should be able to see the bottom of their tires so you could pull out if there's emergency happens, but you look at everybody driving around, they're so close to the vehicle in front of them. Something happens, now you're stuck. You can't get out. So just na- uh, normal daily uh, motorcade operations. Um, there's more to that offsetting if there's uh, dangers uh, to your left or right, and um, and then surveillance detection, uh, that's pretty good. If you can, th- this is kind of a, a, a school within itself. Um, I think the soft guys call a All right. Yeah. So it's kind of recognizing if you're being uh, detected, um, how to, you know, do certain turns, turn double two right turns, or see if someone's uh, paralleling you and all that type of stuff. Um, if you get into one of those type of courses, uh, those are uh, good courses to have. Um, Overlanding, I think, is key. Uh, I know your company's huge on overlanding. Um, Sometimes the roads aren't always going to be open, uh, and I like to use my house in Missouri. There was only one way into the neighborhood, and if something happened to that road, just something simple, no one could get out unless you overlanded over the ditch and you had to have a four by four vehicle to do that. So If you're in a Civic, it wasn't happening. So knowing how to just do basic off-roading overlanding um, is is key. And this one's huge and it's hard to do is evasive driving. Um, I was an evasive driving instructor. So before you get to the vehicle defense situation, you use your evasive driving skills so you're not in that situation. That's the avoidance portion. But to get that type of training is really hard. You can BSR teaches it, um, ITI. I think they let civilians go to it. But that's think, it, that is key. So you don't have to fight on the X in a, in a defensive situation. Um, so that's mobility. And then we get into the uh, survival uh, pillar. And when the, I added the survival pillar when I started doing PSD missions in uh, Africa because I realized that my resources were very slim. It wasn't like the normal military where I could call someone up, do an airdrop, and we have food, water, and all that. Uh, it was a little more austere, and we didn't have the support that we usually had. And there was only a few of us. I didn't have a whole military unit. There's only a few, a few of us that were out there. So this is what I started thinking, and I, I unbe- un- un- unknowingly use your pillars, the person mobility and safe house when I go into the survival situation. Um, but the first thing on it is uh, security, establishing security, medicine, your prolonged medicine. So if you got to use natural medicines, um, if you have the person that has the diabetes, how much medicine do you have? I like to do a, a 30 day survival. Um, I think that's a bare minimum every American family should have. Um, so do you have the medicine to bear for 30 days? Uh, your commo and info. So this is why I separate the TAC commo and commo info. That's the information you're getting from whatever it is, the, the government, the radios, what, whatever happened, the reason why you're using your survival, you're gather you're getting the information of what's going on out there, um, you know, whether it be a natural disaster, tornado warnings or whatever it is. So, uh, water, having plenty of water, not just a drink, uh, for your hygiene as well Mm -hmm. for every person in your family. So that's, if you think about that, that's a lot of water, uh, food storage, and then uh, energy and power. So I like to use energy and power. How are you going to run your, your cell phone? How are you going to run your house, your refrigerator, your, uh, whatever it is that you're running, your, your. Vehicle, you're you know with gas uh solar panels is you know a good source of energy
3: um, I think uh, I think uh you brought this up the other day too is I think in northern California right now was
0: it uh, p g and e that like election- eight hundred thousand yeah. people what yeah. like what do you do yeah, yeah you're out i got I had messages from about twenty of them that were just like, oh my gosh man, like if I didn't start listening to podcasts and start paying attention, I would have no clue what to do right and right. so it's like <clears throat> That's, and that's a deliberate act, obviously, based on the Santa Ana winds, destroying the infrastructure and starting a fire, potentially. You know, the Camp Fire fire in Northern California. I think it was 58 people dead, and then uh, they're still missing one dude. And it's like, man, that could, that could that's crazy that we're proactively, as government yeah. institutions, shutting down power on our own. And yeah. I might be mistaken, but I don't think they gave a warning. I think they just said,
3: we're doing this. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, right. what?
0: It's right. like how many people weren't warned,? Right. Mm-hmm. And then what did the, what did the grocery stores look like afterwards, of them trying to, you know, after the fact, trying to fight for those little bit of resources? It, it was almost like it's, I wish I was there because it's almost like a mini dry run of what a catastrophe could be like in Northern California, whether it be a hurricane, you know not a hurricane, but an earthquake, a significant earthquake or something significant. It's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, we just we actually just talked about it on a podcast I think earlier this week where we did something with the content where I have a Generac seventeen kilowatt propane fed generator and that thing feet I mean I could run my house for a year off of one major tank nice. of propane and it, it, it I literally in fact I'm I'm doing this tomorrow talking about it and then going through it but I could literally choose the path of what fuses or what p- part of the house it's going to feed energy to. So then I could shut down basically the grid at night and so I don't have to use a lot of energy focused on like just the kitchen when I'm cooking and then shut that down as I go on the fly. So it's not just dumping all this power that's that's not being utilized. It's literally deliberate on how you inject it and that's so critical in, the, in survival.
3: Right, right. And that's why networking is important also is... You know, me and yeah. him. I don't know. I can't say right now that I have 30 days. I have some stuff, but we were talking about how we can link up if we had to, and I'm getting it, them up there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah,
0: you got to, like. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I'm just now because I had to. We uh, I moved to a different house, and this house is a little bit more urban. It's in a neighborhood in the Pines. I don't. I wouldn't call it urban because it's not in the city, but it's in the woods. But it's less uh, uh, rural than my last place. And so I'm having to restock and reorganize and do everything, but it, I had I had anxiety for months, going, "Oh my gosh, man, I don't have that supply." Yeah, yeah. And and the power here with the monsoon season goes out every single night. It can go out every night. Right. And lightning storms start m- the majority of the fires that are wild, wildland fires here in Arizona. It's crazy. Right.
2: Uh, the last thing on that is going to be a hygiene. So. Hygiene is pretty important. Have a lot of toothpaste and toothbrushes because you could get very sick without brushing your teeth for a couple days. So, um, but that's pretty much the pillars. Uh, If you look at it, all the, uh, I like to call them tasks, and then the little subtasks that are underneath all those topics. If you look at us in industry, we do, we like to focus on pistol and carbine. But what about everything else on there? So if you want to be the total warrior, the total protector, look at all this other stuff and see where you're spending your money on. Um, so you need to look at the totality of things, and it's cool to do the sub-second draws and all that, but look at what's really important, the totality, and that's uh, we, the, the root of our companies. We won't really want to get to the genesis of what you truly are training and fighting for. Like I said, you could use this model. If you're a soft dude, you could build a model just like this for your soft mission. Um, If you're – I have a Minuteman model. If you want to get into the offense and stuff, you know, when uh, the worst-case scenario stuff happens in our country, and I recommend being uh, ready for that, I have a Minuteman model that, you know, has the offensive, uh, you know, tactics that are on there. So a lot – yeah.
0: So as a company – um, because it, this reminds me of the genre in space, which is if you're in survival, it includes a lot of different things, right? The subtasks are infinite, right? right. You can right. go on forever. So how do you create a tangible, uh, process for people or clients or whoever, that want to train, but want to accomplish the, uh, all this stuff with you guys. How does that? How do you do that? Do you offer? Is it offering training that's segmented based on 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 the uh, pillars, or what's the what's the process for for doing this stuff?
2: Yeah, sure. So what we offer, what we our focus on at uh, Risen Warrior is all our stuff, or the majority of our stuff is low vis uh, CCW related, um, low vis pistol, pistol rifle, or pistol carbine uh, safe havens, home defense. Uh, we even have a formations, uh, class for you and your family. That's where our focus is. Um, we also want to uh, affiliate with good companies like, uh, you know, Fieldcraft where the survival stuff, we can kind of refer you over to there. I like to share the big six in every single one of the class to give the big picture of what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think as a company right now we could just get all this done. Uh, that's the goal, but I'd like to refer you know students. Hey, check these people out. These are vetted people, vetted company, um, and see what they have a, have to offer. So,
0: what what genre do you think you guys are in? Because I think you know it's it's being Mike Pfeiffer from Last Line of Defense, which we obviously are in the same genre of preparedness or survival, whatever you want to call it. But how do you? Like when people say, "Oh, Fieldcraft Survival is a tactical company," I'm like, "No, we're not, dude." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Don't even assemble me or affiliate me with a tactical space because I don't, I don't like the tactical right, space right. because the toxic nature, the 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 BS they're putting out, right. the fact that you know they're beholden to million dollar corporations that put out company or uh, put out equipment, and so I'm like, you know, when I think about this type of stuff. I, it always falls in my head in preparedness and survival, but there's nobody in that space. I can only name a few companies that are in that space. Have you guys defined what, you know, what actual genre you guys are in?
3: I, I, th- I don't know if we actually have it defined yet. I think that's what we're working towards. And um, talk about what you just, just exactly what you just said. I think it's something different. I don't think we're a tactical company. I think we are a preparedness company but we're not necessarily complete prepared. I mean, we're kind of a blend. We're a hybrid company and I don't know if there's even a name for it yet. I think it's still, I think it's still newer than people realize.
0: Me and Mike were talking about that, how it hasn't really been coined, but like I use the term modern survival, right? Right, Which is it's not survival in bushcraft. We're not talking about that. We're talking about like, what are the modern things that you did in the military? You did in law enforcement that lended your everyday survival by your habits, by your actions. And it's like if you're teaching that and you're teaching people who have never experienced that, you're making them better prepared. You know, you're you are giving them a higher probability of surviving or success in a worst-case scenario. So it's like you're right. It's like what the hell is that? And and I like it because I think when you look at it, I, I think it's a GWAT thing, right? Because I, I look at like the GWAT and its replication in the past in, you know, 41 to 45, World War II, fifty to 53 in Korea, Vietnam, et cetera, where everybody who came out of those wars had these gross examples of lessons learned. Right. It's like, hey, I know you guys are super complacent, but let me give you an example of something that we learned on the battlefield and they were teaching the society, right? And we're, you know, how many years are we in the war? I mean, I lost track, almost 20 years in the war. And we have significant amount of people who are getting out, uh, training law enforcement, and bringing back these lessons learned from combat. Um, And then obviously with 9-11, we all face this worst case catastrophe. The complexities of violence and Social media propelling that violence seems like it's getting worse, at least by perspectives uh, and perceptions. So it's like we are creating a new genre, right, and right, and, right. and I feel like in five ten years, it's like it's it's like the status quo. It's like oh, you aren't prepared, or right. you aren't whatever the word is, right, because right. it's you know prepper. I even thought about bringing the word prepper back and just make trying to make it a positive thing because right. I like to be called a prepper. Because if you're calling me a prepper, that means uh, you haven't filled the void. I have no paranoia because I'm prepared. You are insecure because you're calling me out as a prepper and saying I'm crazy. But the reality is that just tells me how insecure you are, but also how unprepared you are. And so I'm taking your resources, which is probably not a lot. And so... um, it's interesting to talk about that because you guys are at the beginning stages of something great. I mean, if if you guys bring that uh, vision to bear, I mean, I'm interested in, it. I mean, I'm like, how do I, you know, I just saw a, a news report on a serial killer that has been in prison that confessed to more murders including up to 90 plus women that he strangled to death. He's serving three life sentences in a row. So he'll never get out of prison. I mean, the dude should be on death row, but, I'd probably keep them around just to identify the victims. But they're sleeper, evil human beings oh, yeah. that live amongst us that are just taking people out. And we we're talking about situation awareness, even SDRs, uh, understanding your area of operation. Yeah. That's I'm like, how do you train that? I haven't figured it out because you, I'm just figuring it out now on this podcast. So it's like if you guys figure that out and then come up with tactics, techniques, proprietary information or, or uh, tools – it's like, dude, I'm down for that because I I want to be better prepared. Right, and right. I Phil Craft Survival can't do it all. It's like, but to maybe together with guys like Mike Pfeiffer and Last Line of Defense and coming together, we can have a symposium. We could figure it out, you know, at the table, at the round table. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. love it, man. Awesome, I love it. Um, so what's the next steps for you guys in business? Because you guys have started something very cool, and you talked to me about Surprise and maybe Cowtown and stuff like that. What's the next steps?
2: Yeah, so right now we're still getting a lot of the back-end stuff uh, down. Uh, website should be up, I'm estimating, about a month. Um, the 2020 schedule will be uh, available for registration then. Uh, we will be starting. Uh, our home base will kind of be Cowtown uh, over in Peoria, Arizona, uh, looking at doing some stuff in Burro Canyon in uh, California. And hopefully at Pro Gun over in Las Vegas. Um, so mostly the southwestern area, is well. We'll start, but yeah, 2020. The we'll, when that's when uh, we'll start training and uh, registration will be open. Like I said, it's going to be low vis specific classes, um, proven stuff that have been done in Conus, uh, semi permissive and non permissive environments. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be good stuff. We're pretty excited about it.
0: So if, if anybody wants to find out about you guys now or DM you questions because they've listened to the podcast, can they get you on social media? How do they get you? Yeah, there? so uh,
2: we're on Instagram, uh, risenwarri- at Risen Warrior Syndicate, uh, our website. You could sign up for our newsletter right now, and you, it'll, you'll get an email when we launch, risenwarriorsyndicate.com. And info at risenwarriorsyndicate.com is our uh, email. I have, to,
0: I have to ask because I, I've actually been asked before, where does the name Risen Warrior Syndicate come from? Where is it? Yeah, that...
2: yeah, so. Go ahead. Go so, ahead. Uh, Risen Warrior, so like I said, it it all starts from the soul. Um, and you're kind of, it's your rise. Here, you go ahead. Here you go.
3: Well, when we are coming up with the name, we were all over the place, and it was the Risen Warrior. I don't know where it came from. It just kind of popped out. I think it was Luke that said it, and we were like, that's it. And a lot of it comes from our belief system. Risen, yeah. I mean, a lot of times we're both Christians, um, and risen is a word that's kind of synonymous with God and that mm-hmm. stuff. And warrior is we want to define what a warrior is, and you know, there's people that go all over and say this is a warrior, this is a warrior. We say a warrior can be anybody who's standing up and fighting for what they believe in, yeah. and. We like to bring it down to people that say, "Well, you're not a warrior," and I said, "We said a soccer mom fighting for her children can be a warrior." Absolutely, and I that's kind of what we believe in. Yeah, well,
0: that's a, that's really cool because yeah. it's like the resurrection of like somebody who's complacent can be a warrior if they just pay attention, they right. train, they start becoming aware or awoken. Right. To the-
2: if you look at it too, and uh, like I said, this is a, this isn't a sermon or anything, but. If you look at the Bible, God used warriors throughout the Bible, um, and it's it. He used some pretty good. Joshua was a good warrior. Jesus Christ was a warrior. Um, so that's kind of where it derived from. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I like that too. I like the fact that you guys are tying in um, the soul, which to me is synonymous with the self, ethics, morality, because a lot of people. Don't do that, and so they don't even understand themselves before they could recognize their true capability. Right, you know, it's right. like it's like how are you going to figure out what you want to be if you don't even know who you are, right? right if right. you don't if you don't have a start point, and the fact that you guys integrate that, which has a lot to do with self awareness, right? right? Understanding who you are and what your motivations are in the first place. If you have the right motivations, if you tie in the right value system to it then you are going to be motivated to get up off your butt and go train. Right, right. You are going to be um, you know, better prepared when the worst-case scenario happens. And I like that. It ties in because that's it, something that we do with the tribe, and we're live on the tribe now. Is And I hope I can actually get you guys to the expo to teach a block of instruction at the expo because uh, the expo is the 22nd, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, but it's here. It's our tribe membership where they come here. We train with them for a few days. We're actually talking about uh, getting other guys and gals here to train. But it's community. Right, it's right. bringing people exactly. together. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to do anything to bring people together, when you have a common core value as as significant as preparedness, that's all you need. Because if if you go, you want to be prepared? I do too. And then you come together, then that common ground is all you need to start relationships. I mean, I have couples on the tribe. We have people who have yeah. built long-term relationships. Um, they they network together, and that's just a, a sum of a couple hundred people. Right. Imagine this trans, transcends into uh, thousands and thousands of people. Then that's what we're looking for. Most people are lost anyway, you know. Most people are found by religion, by uh, community. It's like why not provide that for them? And I, I think what you guys are doing is uh, is amazing, man. Yeah, the the mission. Uh, uh, the focus and, like you said, even working, interoperating with other companies, like-minded companies, uh, I think that's how we'll all grow together.
2: Yeah. I think you're spot on with the networking community. I think that's what uh, our founding fathers wanted um, when we became a country. And I think that's something we are losing is that community, you know, helping each other out and that networking and, and – uh, yeah, we community needs to be real strong. So.
0: What, what do you What do you guys think about the future? I mean, we're talking twenty twenty. I actually heard uh, Dakota Meyer yesterday on a podcast on Joe Rogan was talking about how um, everybody from now until the election of next year, which is November of next year, it's like almost in mourning. Like everybody's just like sad, and everybody's like that uh, they're they're anxious because they don't know the certainty of our future. I mean, I just saw uh, uh, before I came in, I was watching a video of uh, the new press secretary for the Trump administration um, talking to the media, and the media was so toxic and, and how they were treating her, how they were talking to right. her. And then it's it just, it seems insa- insane. It seems like the world is falling apart outside of your home. So what do you guys think about, I mean, are you optimistic about the future or are you, what's your, what's your thoughts?
3: I think it's a scary time. Um, I don't want to get into a Republican, Democrat, whatever. I don't like getting into that stuff because then you won't shut me up. But (laughs) I think, um, and I think you touched on earlier with social media and stuff, but people are so mean to other people, even if you don't like, especially when you have different beliefs. And I think that's the problem is I have friends that are Republican. I have friends that are Democrat. And, you know, sometimes we just don't talk about certain things because we just know we're never going to agree. And I still love that person. But it seems like right now that's where we are is if you don't think like I think, I hate you. And I'm like, where did that come from? It, it, it's, it's scary.
0: Yeah, it's like where, where did the avocation for tolerance become so intolerant? Like it's like I'm advocating because I want us to be more tolerant. But if I'm trying to communicate to you, then I'm the enemy mm-hmm. and then you're intolerant. Or if I try to talk about it, and because I, I want to create a discussion, then you shut me down because you want to yell out louder than me, mm-hmm. or because you're going to hit me in the face with a pie, or because you're going to bring in Tifa and they're going to they're going to violently attack us. It's like where did that come from? It's like it's almost it reminds me of team life, where if you take a a, a team of special forces guys. And you put them in a remote fire base, it'd be the best TV show on the planet. Because those 12 guys, they're type A personalities. They want to go out and operate and do great things for the country. They get so bored that they start eating each other alive. It's like, hey man, John is a piece of crap. Let's let's kill John. It's like, John's an American. He's a (laughs) Green Beret. You're in Afghanistan. It's cool, man. Everything's, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, sorry. It's like we've become so bored and complacent that we're eating each other alive over differences. I saw Ellen DeGeneres, which I like Ellen. I mean, she's she she's married to a hot chick that she loves uh, and she has different v- values than I do. But she's sitting next to George Bush at a, at a game, a sports event, and people are bashing her because yeah. they're like, how could you right. sit with that person? It's like, he's my friend. That's why. I mean, she's, she was advocating saying, I don't care – when she says be kind to people, she doesn't doesn't mean the people that are around you that agree with what you agree with, but people who are different. Absolutely. Just because they have different political views doesn't mean they can't be right, friends. Right. It's, it's insane. It's insane to me. What, do you, what about you, Lucas?
2: Yeah, you know, it is a scary time, especially, you know, how much influence that uh, the news stations have, the social media, all that. I really try to ignore it. I'm aware of what's going on, um, but I really want to... I would say focus on where you're at, focus on your family, focus on your community, how you can improve your community, make those relationships. Let's get some good morals back in this, in the country. Um, and you remember, this is our country. This isn't the government's country. This is the people's country. Um, so I would just say, yeah, but just don't get too wrapped up on the news and all that and the elections. And you do have the right to vote, vote for what you believe in. But I think it's all just about community, being a strong community.
0: You're spot on, man. We have, I mean, yes, we teach the Prescott mayor's daughter in self-defense. She's a 17 year old girl. She's in here training. Uh, We have relationships built in this community. And if I have to build a wall around Prescott, I'll do that. If I have to be the Sergeant major of the Prescott militia, (laughs) I'll, I'll be that. And so it's like, you're absolutely right. It's like, Work with what you have and affect what you can. Right. Instead of worrying about every single thing that CNN or Fox News or everybody's putting out in the airwaves as a as a buzz, uh, as a as clickbait, right. because they want to amplify their analytics or increase their profits. It's like that's not the real world. Yeah. The real world is your pattern of life and, and the everyday things uh, that you do every single day. And the priority of that is your family and your friends. Right. Uh, outside of that nothing else nothing else matters because you can't affect it it's like let's worry about what we have in front of us man that's a good message man a good way to end the podcast i appreciate you guys coming on the podcast one driving up here from surprise um appreciate what you guys are doing as a as a vision now being executed and enacted it's cool to see that journey Um, but obviously philcraft survival is here for you guys for whatever you need um, and we look forward to working with you guys in the future.
2: Yeah, I also awesome. appreciate you having us, Mike. Yeah, yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, is there any last things um, that you guys got coming out in the, in the uh, uh, near future or any uh, DMs or people that you could point them in the direction? Is there any last things?
2: Yeah, hey, just uh, like I said, um, info at risenwarrior.com. Shoot us an email, answer any messages, Instagram, uh, risenwarriorsyndicate.com. And uh, sign up for the newsletter. We promise we won't spam you. Um, and the website should be out in about a month. So. Oh, so
0: they can go on right now to Risen Warrior Syndicate.com Syndicate. yeah. and sign up for the newsletter. Yeah, yeah. That's important. We do that too, and that's a good way to disseminate information. Uh, so make sure you guys do that. And then you guys' Instagram is at Risen, at Risen Warrior Syndicate. At Risen Warrior Syndicate. There. There and I, what I'll do is I'll post this, obviously, when we post it online. On social media with those links to their stuff so make sure you guys follow them the journey and get educated on on everything in preparedness thanks guys right,
3: thank, thank you, you.